The good folks at Comics for Fun and Profit have been doing two episodes a week um, for quite some time now, and it's all thanks to, first of all, Jason, and second of all, our patrons, who allow us to add the space on our server, broadcast more, store more, share more with you listeners. I'm envious of those of you who have unlimited storage and media server capabilities. We we pay for ours here at, at the C4FAP. It ain't cheap. We thank you so much for those of you who go to patreon.com slash comicsfunprofit and contribute at any level to say thanks, to say I want to be a part of your Slack channel, conversations. I want to get exclusives. I want to get early access. I want to get ad-free access. I want to get swag. I want to get some free stuff. Whatever your reasoning is, we appreciate it at any level because it does make a difference. So from the bottom of Kyle and I and Jason's heart, thank you for contributing. Aloha. This is Jason from Hawaii. Welcome to a special edition of the Comics for Fun and Profit podcast. In this episode, I will be interviewing Ryan Silbert and Luke Lieberman. They are the writers for Stan Lee's Alliance Orphans. Now, this is a science fiction action-adventure original hardcover graphic novel from Dynamite. Now, um, this 184-page graphic novel is out in storage right now. Ryan and Luke, welcome to the Comics for Fun and Profit podcast. How are you guys doing today? Awesome. Uh, thank you for having us on this. I'm a big listener, so this is uh, a real treat for, for me. No, no yeah. thank, thank you very much. Thank you very much for your, your time today, guys. Um, now, I'm going to just, for listeners, I'm just going to give just, just some, you know, little bit history of Luke and Ryan's uh, previ- um, works, basically. And Luke and Ryan, please feel free to correct me at any time. And if you guys want to add anything that you want listeners to really check out, please go, please feel free to do that. So um, now Luke is a writer. He's also the licensor and executive editor of the Red Sonia comic book franchise. Now, I got this information from the Goodreads website. And Mm -hmm. also, too, Luke, um, now... Help me out on this. I'm going to say that you have a hand in the uh, in the actually now in production Red Sonia movie. Uh, I'm a, I'm a, I'm a producer on the film, and I'm actually coming to you from location in Bulgaria. Yes, that is inc- that is incredible. And I'm, this is off the cuff, um, Luke. Um, I want to tell listeners right now, Luke. Right now, the time zone right now. Um, he's in Bulgaria right now. It's ten o'clock at night. And you guys are doing a night shoot right now. Wow, that's yeah. that's amazing. And it's yeah, got to be. Actually, uh, <laughs> it's it's uh, yesterday was uh, brutally cold. Today is actually not as bad. But um, this is the last day of night shoots. Tomorrow's a turnaround day. Actually, tomorrow uh, everybody pretty much has off. Oh, okay. So, yeah. All right. But, I'm sorry, off the cuff. What? Um, when are we looking for the movie to be released? Oh, I'm not. I mean, I, I if I had to guess, because I don't, we don't have a release date right now. It's either going to be late 2023 or first quarter 2024. Oh, okay, all right. This sounds so, about right. I can't wait for it to check out. So now, also, Ryan Ryan is a writer. He has written the audiobook, The Coldest Case, 
with the Jeans Patterson Entertainment. And um, Ryan, please correct me if I'm wrong, because I got this information from the Amazon website. You have not hand in the upcoming Stephen King movie, The Girl Who Loves Tom Gordon. Is that correct? That's correct. Okay. We, we, we're still we're, we're still in development, so no night shoots for us. But um, <laughs> I'm I'm learning all I can about night shoots from Luke right now. Okay. <laughs> all right. Now, um, Ryan and Luke, did I miss anything? No, I think you. Yeah. I mean, you know, we're excited about the. Uh, we're excited that this uh that orphans is is finally out i mean this was a uh this was the, we put a lot of work into it so it's it's great i mean i i actually have a copy in my backpack and holding it in my hand is uh means a lot yes mm -hmm. so okay um ryan did i miss anything did you want to add anything no like luke said like i think what, what's wonderful about the way like this collaboration has kind of emerged mm -hmm. and our kind of work with dynamite and actually kind of our work with all of our partners in various ways is uh, you know, we're really pa super patient and in our creative endeavors and we love making and releasing the product as much as we love creating it. Yes. And this is, you know, the or orphans started, you know, o over a decade ago for Luke mm -hmm. in terms of its development in this point. And so like, it's, this is, it's just it's just so much fun to be here talking to you about it and you know actually working and you know speaking to fans and getting to hear reactions it's like this is the best this is why we do do what we do okay no thank you very much now before I, before we start getting really into the interview i want to give a big shout out to mia jacobs and liz i'm going to try to pronounce her name um bybar and i'm hoping i'm pronouncing pronouncing the um, public relations company correctly i believe it's lead company so basically, Mia and Liz, just thank you very much for setting up this interview and providing me with an advanced um, review copy. So again, Mia and Liz, thank you very much. I'm just going to add, do you guys want to add anything to that? Oh, Mia and uh, me and Liz are the best. I mean, they... Yeah, I mean, we would, we would not be here, like you just said, without them. Literally, we would not be on the show. Um, but yeah, listen, it, it, reaching out to the fans and finding engagement, like that's like, again, the biggest, for, like I said it before, it's like the thing that's the most fun. So, you know, we love this stuff and finding, yeah, finding cool. amazing partners who love our project is is like, you know, special. Sorry, Luke, you were saying. Well, no, it just it we, we wouldn't really be uh, faithful to Stan's legacy if we weren't engaging with the fans. I mean, he kind of he, he kind of he kind of reinvented that whole idea uh, back in the '60s and even before that. I mean, he's he he's he sort of hand sold the comic book industry to the public, mm -hmm. and that that's part of how this industry was created mm -hmm. and the way that it is now. And it's a key component for us as like as creators, because we are, you know, this is an emerging story uh, alliances, you know, the universe. And mm -hmm. for us, we're listening to fans constantly. So in order to be creative, it's like, it's nice to be in our little hidey hole and we're writing and creating, mm -hmm. but it's also like very informative to find out what's working and what's not mm -hmm. um, and what people are really enjoying and being able to, you know, respond to that creatively. Mm -hmm. So, you know. PR and fan relationships are key to the entire process. Probably the most important thing. Okay. Um, now, 
Um, I also want to let our listeners know that I did get some of the information. And as you mentioned, you interaction with fans, because um, some of the information I got from was uh, the um, comic book page, uh, the comic book club podcast that you guys, that um, both of you guys been on a couple of times already, which is great. I've, I've seen, I've seen actually the episode that you guys were on actually earlier um, this month, um, October 4th episode. That was pretty good that you guys were on. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it looks like fun. you guys are having fun with that. Uh, those guys are always a lot of fun. Mm-hmm. And uh, Ryan, is that is? I think that's the one where you like reconnected to someone from like the prodigy days. Is that? Do we have that right? Yeah, that, 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 I'm so twisted inside of that <laughs> whole group. Like Alex and I went to high school together, but his brother and I actually knew each other, and he got me through AP Bio. Mm-hmm. I wasn't a very good biology student because I was too busy reading my comics. Um, but yeah, we re- reconnected with somebody on there and he was like from the prodigy community of comic collectors. Oh, you know? nice. Like, you know, it's comic. What's cool about comic, the comic community is like, it's like everlasting, you know, yes. and you can like dip in and out. Like you, and you're such a big part of it, Jason, too. Now, like with your listeners, it's like there's just a huge, like it's like such an interesting continuum. Mm-hmm. And you're picking up the baton almost like a long marathon of like, I love this thing. Now you're going to like this thing, yes. or maybe you're not going to like this thing, <laughs> you know? So being a part of that in with Comic Book Live and you and stuff like that, like this is, it's so much fun. It's so much fun. Yeah. We were just talking about the champions, right? Like, yes. it's like, where else do you get to talk about that? <laughs> and we're not talking about, and we're not talking about the recent um, champions. We're talking about the 1970s champions comic book of a team for listeners, because uh, me, Luke and Ryan were talking a little bit before we started the interview is we're talking about the champions from the 1970s. The one where it was Hercules, Black Widow, Angel, um Iceman and then I think later on Dark Star, but it, it was just it was just a very interesting series. <laughs> so all right. I'm sorry, I'm gonna continue on. Um one more thing, uh, one more place I got my information from was also the comic speed. Um that article was dated on July 21st of this year and it was written by Diana um the Sitio. Hopefully I got her name correctly. But so if you guys get a chance, please check out, you know, um Luke and Ryan's previous interviews through the um, comic book um club podcast and the comic speaks as well. So um I'm gonna start with I'm gonna start off with you, Luke, um, and then Ryan. Where can listeners follow you on social media? Um I mean, well, we actually have an Alliance Instagram, what is it, Alliance's Universe Instagram that we uh we started pretty recently. Mm-hmm. Um, and then, you know, I'm, uh, Red Sonia official is, uh, is our Red Sonia Instagram page. And, you know, that, that thing's been going on for, uh, quite a while. My, uh, my wife runs it. Mm-hmm. Oh, okay. And then Ryan. Yeah. Like we said, Alliances universe to find out all things alliances. And then, um, um, my handle is my name. So Ryan oh. Silbert and Luke and Luke similarly, different handles for different things but he has he also has his own personal handle every now and then you can find it find it luke underscore lieberman okay uh and sometimes it's lieberman (laughs) underscore luke depends on how how uh which which uh service you're using all right so luke i'm going to start off with this question you know what do you remember what was your first comic 
that you read or comic book series that you remember. Could be Sunday Comics, Man Magazine. Um, yeah, my first, um, I, I, I don't remember exactly what the first one I read was. Oh, the yeah. first one I remember making a real impression on me was, uh, was Man, Love, Man Loves, God Kills, the X-Men series. Oh, yes. In part because it, um, I think part of the reason that hit me was because it takes place in Westport, which is where I grew up. It took place in, wow. in Connecticut where I grew up. So yeah. it, like, it kind of, it kind of close to home. Um, but that one, that one uh, hit on a lot of themes that uh, I was definitely feeling at the time. I, but I read, I mean, when I was growing up, a lot of X, there was a lot of X-Men. There was some Spider-Man. I was a big fan of Daredevil too. Um, mm -hmm. Doctor Strange. And I, I was definitely a Marvel uh, kid. I, yes. you know, DC was a little more kind of foreign to me. I was, I was, uh, I, I, I read widely in the Marvel realm, mm -hmm. you know, and also stuff like, um, like Calvin and Hobbes. I mean, outside of like, oh, you yes. know, comic, book, comic books, I mean, stuff like that. I was uh, pretty engrossed into. Yeah. And then, and then what about you, Ryan? Yeah. I, like, like Luke, it's hard to remember your first because um, both of us have, we're kind of, uh, really fortunate, you know, uh, Luke's father was in the industry. So he would, uh, send, get boxes of comics at a time. And similarly, my uncle owned a comic book store in California. Oh so God. he would, and I lived on the East coast. So I would get shipped the comic books. And then I lived above a comic store. It was like the best kind of experience in New York city. So like they were kind of, I just kind of lived inside of a, yes. of, of a fantasy land. Um, but the one that I looked like in terms of an impression, the two that made impressions, um, I mean, I was an X-Men guy growing up because it was, uh -huh. you know, the early 80s. Um, but the ones that made impressions is at, at Forbidden Planet, I remember specifically there was a, there was the hunger crisis was going on in the 80s. And there was like oh, a, yes. a DC book that was like basically about the hunger crisis. And, yes. And, in the African continent and I forget exactly what it was about, but I was like wow comics can really have influence like that's like mm -hmm. one of the first things I was like wow this is like unbelievable like this is like a heavy topic and I was you know young very very young yes but the other one that I really remember is um, I was telling Bill Sinkovich this and this is why it's very strange to be working with him now is the cover of Batman 400 which yes. was the first comic that I thought was a piece of art mm -hmm. because it was painted and yes. I misunderstood that as a kid and I left it behind in a, on a vacation and I had to drive I made my parents drive back an hour and a half to go get it so I left it back in a, in like a rental house in an attic so I still have that book over there I didn't buy you a new copy <laughs> it wasn't so easy it wasn't so easy in like 1980 you know 80, yeah. whatever it was 84 I mean we had we had uh it was like the Oregon Trail it, it was you know no gas cars horse pulled carriages <laughs> Oh my God! You guys I don't know. Westport, you had you had a whole different world going on. <laughs> you, it was maybe there, the woods. Oh my God! You guys, this is so incredible talking to you guys. I mean, I mean, you, Luke. I mean, like you said, you know, you know, you're, you know, you had a relative in the industry. You're getting boxes. Ryan, you you had an uncle who had a comic shop in California, sent you stuff, and you lived over. A comic book store. I mean, holy cow! That is so awesome. <laughs> you know, I yeah, I just find it very cool. So, um, yeah. Well, you know, the problem with something like that is you're constantly thinking, 
one day I'm going to open a comic book store, mm -hmm. which is a big, uh, a big lift when you're saying that to your wife. I don't know, Luca. <laughs> so, so basically, the only person I could talk to about this in the safe space is is you, Jason, and Luke. <laughs> yeah. I, I think I bring it. I think I bring it up with Luke like once a month. Like, should we open a comic store? <laughs> oh my god. <laughs> oh. Okay, sorry. I'm, so, I, 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 are you guys, are you guys ready to do it, Luke? Do you want to open it up? Up on up one? Oh, sure, man. Just find a you know location, location, location. We just need to find the right spot. Yeah. <laughs> All right. So, um, let's see, Luke. I'm going to start off with you. You know, how did your journey um, get started working in comics? Um. Well, like I said, I, I kind of grew up inside uh, the industry a bit. Um, and when I, I met, I was in film school, uh, at NYU and yes. I stand when he came out for the X-Men premiere, he was in New York, um, which is to this day, the coolest premiere I've ever been to. Cause it was at Ellis Island. Um, oh, and yes. you know, cause the end of the film takes place there. So the premiere was there. They like constructed a screen, mm -hmm. um, to project in the museum. And then they had the after party on the grounds around it. Mm -hmm. um and uh anyway he he was in town i i interviewed him for my documentary i was making about him so he sat down for an hour and just talked to me oh uh, and kind of bombard him with questions um and then he offered me a job uh in los angeles when i graduated college so i moved out to la to work for him mm -hmm. um, and then i had an opportunity to relaunch the red sonia comic in 2005 mm -hmm. um so I, after a couple of years of working for stan i relaunched uh red sonia as a in publishing and um sort of ever since now the first i wrote a i wrote an original graphic novel called street magic when i was very young based on something i created while i was in college but my first like real professional writing gig i had the opportunity to write a red sonia thulsa doom uh, mini series with Peter David. So Peter, Peter was the one that kind of taught me how to actually write a comic. Yes. Literally, just how to lay out the panels and dialogue, and just the the sort of nuts and bolts of how comic books are written. Wow, that's I mean that's I that part I didn't know about you working with Peter. You know, like Peter David. Oh my God! Wow. Yeah. Well, he was so seasoned, and he was very. Yes. Uh, he was very like generous with his time and his knowledge. And, you know, mm -hmm. uh, at that point, Stan wasn't really, you know, writing individual comic books yeah. anymore. So he wasn't really going to show me the ropes on that. But Peter, uh, Peter took the time and we, uh, we co-wrote that series together. I don't even remember when that was. I remember oh, yeah. that six or something like that. I mean, it was a long time ago. But also, it's not only is Peter a seasoned comic book writer, but he's also, he's written a number of novels i mean star trek novels um he wrote an incredible hulk novel um um back i want to say in the 90s i still have my copy up on my shelf my god oh, wow. he was also sort of a historian in the industry and yes. i mean you know yeah yeah he's someone that you could just that you could just i mean we got off topic it wasn't all it wasn't all you know strictly down to business on the writing we definitely talked about a lot of things but what he really sort of in the particular sort of mentorship Peter had in my career was sort of literally showing me how you pace out the story of a comic and just kind of showing me the ropes. I mean, it was so old hat for him at that point. He'd been doing it, you know, he could do it blindfolded in his sleep on his head. Mm -hmm. You know, I was the young one still, you know, just trying to figure out how the, how it works. 
And then Ryan, what about you? How you know? Um, how did you get started working in comics? This is it. Oh, <laughs> you know, this is the, for for me. This is this is that moment. Um, mm -hmm. You know, it was it was an interesting kind of route here because when we started developing alliances with Stan, we had we had no predetermined um, media medium to release it in. Uh, mm -hmm. We were just developing characters and like, I mean, this was an extraordinarily once in a lifetime opportunity to be doing like basically uh, world building with Stan uh -huh. and Luke in a room um, and sometimes virtually to just create characters and like yes. think about them in a Dungeons and Dragons sense and think about storylines and mm -hmm. um, you know, think about big ideas. And we built out a pretty, you know, substantial library of material. Um, and it released first, and you'd think, you know, as a comic fan my whole life, and then working with Stan and Luke, you think that, you know, here we are, we're going to go make a comic. Mm -hmm. And instead, what we did is we released an audio drama with uh, Audible as an Audible original. And, mm -hmm. you know, also in a, pa a passion of mine is, is audio storytelling. So that worked out for me, but we're coming back around to it, you know, after having released that in 2019, or 2019, uh, to do this graphic novel. Um, mm -hmm. So it's... Um, for me, this is a this is a, this is the dream. It's incredible. Um, so I'm just you know grateful for you know Luke for inviting me on this ride with him and Sam. Ryan, I'm going to start off with you with this question: How excited were you to see your name on this book? I was just surprised that somebody spelt it correctly because I've been going to coffee shops for like 20 years where nobody gets it correctly. I'm like Dilbert, Silbert, like Dilbert, but with an S. And the Dilbert now long, is no longer a comic strip, so nobody knows what I'm talking about. Let's say that. <laughs> so uh, you know, it, it, it's it's so exciting. I mean, it is it is uh, beyond. And to share it with like you know people I respect that includes you, Luke. Um, is is what makes it super special it's like i get to share it with people who i really love and that's that's something that um is is you know you don't always get that when you're on when you're sharing credits on a comic book or a movie luke i'm going to ask you because like you said you wrote you know a red sonia comic book back in the mid 2000s how excited were you to see your name on a comic book oh um i mean you kind of grow up I mean, we were having this conversation, um, Ryan and I, because we did uh, at New York Comic Con when Orphans came out, when Alliance's Orphans came out, we did a signing with Bill. And it is, um, you know, you go, you spend your whole life going to the shops, going to the conventions, and then suddenly finding yourself on the other side of the table. But I mean, it is kind of a dream come true. I, I, don't, I don't know how else to put it. Um, and yeah, I, I, I never took any part of that for granted. I always, uh, like I, I keep a collection of them. I have like a bookshelf where I keep every, uh, every, every book or, you know, whatnot I've ever sort of touched. Although I will say it was also unique, um, when we started doing alliances to see my name with stands that meant a lot, you know, I mean, um, obviously seeing my name with Peter Davids was a big deal, but seeing my name with Stan was, um, that felt like a full circle kind of moment. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Um, okay, so I'm gonna, let's see. I am going to, Luke, I'm gonna start off, actually, I'm gonna start off with a quote from the, um, I believe it, I wanna say, I remember if I got it from the review copy, I wanna say it probably is, but there's a quote from Stan Lee regarding alliances. 
quote, what is more real, a world we are born into or the one we create ourselves? And again, that's a quote from Stanley. I'm going to start off with this question. You know, I'm going to ask you, Luke, then Ryan, you can jump in. What is, and because you guys already talked about the world building, the character development, but for our listeners, what is the Alliance universe? What is it? Because we're, we know it's an audiobooks. It came out in audiobooks. Now it's a, com- it's a graphic novel. I mean, that was kind of the, um, Stan always has these kind of, um, he sort of, he, a lot of his creative pr- process starts out with asking a question. Mm-hmm. And that was, you know, one of the things here uh, that was, you know, that question that you just quoted um, was sort of one, it's kind of the nature nurture, you know, do we create our environment or does our environment create us? It's also sort of how do we, um, how do the things that we create um, affect the world that we live in? That That's kind of the, the um, facet of that question that's more relevant to uh, Orphans, the book that we're talking about, because yes. um, in, in that one, we have the inventor, which was, you know, the, the prologue that we did with Bill Sienkiewicz, um, which is the opening chapter, basically, of, uh, of Orphans, was basically the, the, the first bit of creating that we did with Stan. That was, that was the kernel from which everything else sort of expanded was the idea of this inventor. Mm-hmm. Uh, his people are wiped out. He's been enslaved. And uh, he's this genius that his uh, slave master is forced to create weapons for them. And then he create, you know, his best one, he turns against them. Yes. Um, and, but the inventor is, you know, a bit of a reckless character. You know, he's so sort of blinded by the light of creation that he doesn't really um, consider all the unintended consequences or he, he doesn't really think through how these things might be used and abused. You know, he, he just makes things. He just sort of creates things. He doesn't necessarily, he's not necessarily very responsible about what happens with those things. Mm-hmm. And, you know, orphans, um, he sort of leaves them to pick up the pieces after he yes. destroys his slave masters and leaves the, uh, leaves the galaxy with this power vacuum where you know he's created all these things that can either be tools or weapons and whoever controls them will control the balance of power in this in in the galaxy is you know there's sort of this scavenger hunts competition to try to sort of uh collect them in order to get the upper hand and um i think the orphans kind of some of them maybe idealize the inventor and sort of lionize him but uh mm-hmm. there's also this sort of undercurrent of you know, it was sort of like you sort of thrust this responsibility on us. Like we now have to spend our lives chasing all this stuff down and make sure it doesn't, you know, destroy the galaxy or kill people. Yes. Yeah. Um, Because you just, you know, you just sort of left it to us. Mm -hmm. And that's, uh, you know, there's, I think that has a lot of kind of real world sort of relevance, you know, Mm -hmm. there's, who, you know, you, you make the bomb, Mm -hmm. but you don't, you know, you, you think you make, uh, you know, you, you figure out nuclear power, but you don't really um, think about what that's going to mean for the world. And, and um, in particular with this story, because it all kind of, if you go back to Trick of Light, which was the first thing that, uh, the first uh, project that came out um, in this universe in 2019, that was more about the internet and sort of 
that kind of information technology and how there was this idealism when it was created and this mm -hmm. idea that it was going to connect the world and help mm -hmm. us to understand each other and break down all these barriers. And instead it's been used as a sort of weaponized as yes. a different information tool and used to divide us and tribalize us and mm -hmm. put us against each other. You know, it's a bit of a, a roundabout answer, but Ryan, you can jump in. <laughs> no, that's it. I mean, alliances just generally with that question is about not looking up at the stars anymore, but how does it, what happens when we start looking inside of ourselves? And mm -hmm. just generally, you can see that kind of in the through line of almost every character that is in all of the different projects. Mm -hmm. um, it's not like Reed Richards looking at the stars. You're looking at the internet in the palm of your hand. You're curious mm -hmm. about how to change biohack yourself if you're on this yeah. earth in our real world. You're not dealing with gamma rays as much as you're dealing with like, um, how to, how can I modify myself or be the best version of myself? You see this on constantly in our version of the world, right? The real mm -hmm. world. And very similar to the way Stan developed the Marvel universe is something that we were very conscious of when we were developing alliances is that it should feel sci-fi, yes. but close to our world. Yes. Um, like Luke is saying about weapons, it's stuff that you could, you would not expect to be weaponized. Like Tony Stark was a weapons maker. Yes. He made weapons and then he yeah. felt bad about it. Those were, were always going to be weapons of war. What our thing is, is like, what are the things that we aren't thinking that when you create it, that you don't necessarily think would be a weapon. Mm -hmm. um, and in the case of the inventor and orphans, he creates something that he doesn't realize is going to be a weapon and it becomes yes. weaponized. Mm -hmm. Creates a, It creates a hive mind. This, you know, super artificial intelligence creates a hive mind. Mm -hmm. But, it, you know, in his mind, it could be used for good. You know, just from the different perspective, it gives us great opportunity to introduce villains too, um, that have motivations that, yes. you know, to stand, which I learned, you know, from Stan, and especially in his conversations with Luke, they had had a lot, a lot of conversations about this is how to create a great villain, which is, you know, the, the, the antithesis of, of what the hero's powers are. So, so Ryan, I'm going to say that's, that's alliances. So that's a, no, that's a nice segue to go um talk a little bit about alliances orphans and some of the characters because you already mentioned there's a villain in um you already mentioned that you know it creates a villain now in alliance orphans and correct me if i'm wrong is um um eclon am i pronouncing that correctly eagle yeah. yeah right because he's kind of sort of the villain of this story is that correct uh yeah he is yeah you know Elijah. Um, yeah. So, you know, I mean, um, but I'm, I'm sorry, I'm kind of going a little bit off the cuff here before I, because I want to, I want to ask you about if you guys could give descriptions of the um, characters, but, but the thing I loved about, um, um, one of the chapters focused on his background story. Right. That's what I love. And the thing is too, that Luke, when you start to talk about, you know, is it nature versus, versus you know, nurturing? And we get a very good backstory of him. It's incredible because for some reason I connected with him and I was like, oh my God, you know? Yeah. I mean, he, yes, he did not get enough love as a child. That's for sure. Yeah. Um, they, um, I, you know, I don't, I, we can, we can kind of talk about what this is. I mean, when we equal yeah. comes from a race, the Vaptors who are, 
they were the foot soldiers under the previous sort of the slave masters, the hive that we were talking about before. And now that the hive is gone, they're trying to take over. Like they're trying to step into that power vacuum. Yes. Um, and Ecole is one of the sort of premier generals among them. Yes. But when they're growing up, the, they believe in a sort of survival, the fittest kind yes. of Darwinism to yes. the nth degree. And so uh, they drop, when you hit adolescence, um, they drop nine of them into a pit and three of them that emerge because they're just sent in there to kill each other. And mm -hmm. the three that emerge get to live into adulthood. And so uh, because they always, they're trying to constantly sort of purify their bloodlines and that's, mm -hmm. that's how about it. And so, yeah, Ecole is definitely a product of that, but he also embraces it. I mean, he's, yes. he, uh, he's a true believer in that, you know, mm -hmm. he, he, when I said he'll eat you, like he, you know, he would consider eating you the way you would think of eating a chicken or something like he, you're a lower life form. And mm -hmm. so he is uh, the apex predator and therefore he gets to uh, eat you alive. That's, mm -hmm. that's the way he, you know, that's his position and he's sticking to it. But one of the fun things of like being able to work in comic books is that you get to like blend genre in a really fun way. And I think mm -hmm. with Ecole, and I'm so happy you enjoyed, you know, getting to know him a little bit more because it is a bold choice, I think, uh, for, for us to have done a pretty, you know, substantial sized graphic novel and the major yes. backstory that's revealed and we spend time with is our villain. But I think, you know, part of that is, you are you know, the perception of the world uh -huh. is important to understand. And you're, you're, and we wanted to have a perception change. And like, if you have a, if you're perceiving that equal is just this sort of villainous, I'm going to go eat you uh -huh. reptilian type character. And I'm, and I'm just going to keep showing up and I'm going to stop at nothing. I'm a predator. Oh. I'm going to kill you. And then if you stop for a second and think about that person and expand their story, that makes them less one dimensional. And then you may have thought they were a little bit less dimensional than they than they are. And then we give you the opportunity to kind of reflect on that. And, I, I'm, you know, that's a kind of by design, but um, I'm glad that you enjoyed that because we enjoy you call very much. <laughs> I don't want him to eat me. <laughs> I'm scared. I don't know. I also want to talk about the um, the other characters um, in the book, the orphans, and uh, now, like, I mean, the orphans are made up of um, little boy, Hayes, um, Rascal, Critter, and um, Samsi, is that correct? I, I hope I'm pronouncing uh, her name correctly. So, yeah. like, yep. if, if you guys don't mind going over, you know, like, some of the characters on those, and I love William Anderson's back, um, Ackerson's backstory, Yes. Well, William uh, William um, is the human, so he's the only one that's uh, not an orphan, really. Um, mm -hmm. But he uh, he's someone that came comes out of the earlier literature. Now, look, we always wanted to make it so that you did not need to read the earlier material in order to jump in. Yes, um, particularly as where this is the first in the comic book medium, so we wanted this to be a fresh jumping on point for people. Uh -huh. But for those, and actually at the end of this book, we do have a prose chapter showing how William kind of got his powers, which is from the second in the series, New Reality, the one that Will Wheaton wrote for us, uh, excuse me, read for us, right. uh, okay. Audible. And, um, uh, but William is, uh, he's kind of a classic standpoint in that he's sort of, he's sort of cursed with his power. Um, okay. he, he's, the reason he's a man lost in space is because at the end of New Reality, he 
launched himself uh, mm-hmm. off of Earth in order to try to rid himself of this power because he was too dangerous to the people around him that he loved. And uh, he's trying to figure out how to uh, sort of cure himself. Mm-hmm. Uh, of course, in the end, he becomes, uh, you know, central to saving the galaxy, as it were. Yes. Um, now, the orphans, um, little boy is uh, kind of near and dear to my heart because he's just a giant little boy. I mean, his yeah. people, his you know, he's 10 feet tall, but he's sort of five years old. Mm-hmm. Uh, and he's got all this potential. He's a genius and he's obviously kind of, you know, strong and whatnot and doesn't know his own strength. But he, um, as much as he wants to lead and invent and sort of, he's still, um, he's still emotionally sort of regular learning how to regulate his emotions. He's still immature, mm-hmm. you know, still got that little boy immaturity. And mm-hmm. uh, that also kind of makes him, that makes him a fun, makes him a fun character. Um, Ryan, do you want to take the rest of them? Yeah. I, it, I think we like love about the orphans as a concept is that, you know, they should feel like they kind of like came out of a sci-fi serial from the fifties in a way, mm-hmm. and like a European style graphic novel, like Mobius thing. And they yeah. all interact with each other. Hopefully that comes across for readers. It's like, we've got Sam C who's sort of this like lone, you know, sort of samurai kind of falls mm-hmm. in that kind of tradition of, you know, refers to Strider and Lord of the Rings um, with her. And you know, she's somebody who's you know seen battle, but holds on to her kind of the, the battle scars in a way as a point of reflection. So she's incredibly soulful in that sense. And then, you know, Rascal's the adventurer kind mm-hmm. of, um, she's got, you know, the throwback look. Um, and, you know, I love that about her. And, you know, she also similarly, you would expect as the pilot in the cosmic story to love technology, but she's, you know, throws it to the side and sort of like an Indiana Jones kind of way. Mm-hmm. And then, you know, Hayes and Critter are like, um, the fun and game duo for us, you know, and I always love Luke and I would talk about all the great duos in like comic book, you know, dumb and history. And, you know, one of the things that's wonderful about working with people like Bill and Sleemon and, you know, Dynamite is that, and, and Luke is that like everybody here like appreciates where comic books have come from. Mm-hmm. So you can kind of like bend rules or like fall into the rules. So like, you know, Critter and, 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 and Hayes fall into that kind of buddy, my favorite kind of monster pet, but yes. like also sort of like, but Critter has a personality. So he's given, you know, yes. a little bit of agency here. So um, yeah. And one of the things with, with the orphans in the way that the book is structured is that Bill Sinkovich did the first chap- uh, prologue that we wrote with Stan, mm-hmm. which is like Luke mentioned, the sort of foundations of alliances as a whole. Yes. Then we jump time when mm-hmm. Sleeman p- picks it up. So we picked up with the, on the orphans journey after many years of adventures. So they should feel like they've been developed and developed bonds that are, you know, kind of on the outskirts of the frame. Mm-hmm. So, but well, we should, yeah, it's also, sorry. We should also, cause I don't remember, we talked about this maybe before a recording, but we should also sort of mention what, what it is that brings them all sort of together, which yes. is the reason that they're orphans is because those slave masters, the hive, when they would wipe out a planet, they would keep one member of the species mm-hmm. that they thought remarkable for whatever reason alive. And so each of these orphans is the last of their kind. Mm-hmm. And all of their, all of their kin has been wiped out. Mm-hmm. Um, and they are sort of collected by this biologist uh, of the hive named Zal, um, who's sort of experimenting on them and wants to learn about their adaptations in biology. That's why they've kept them alive as mm-hmm. these sort of, you know, specimens. 
um, but they've all they uh, they were you know kept together and they were became a found family. Yes. Um, what they all have in common is that they've all lost everything. Yes. Uh, and that all that they have is each other. Yes. I, I no now yes I can't say any more because I don't want to spoil anything. But I, Luke, I hear you. I understand. Mm -hmm. Yes. Um. Let's see. This is a fun question I want to ask. Is Critter based on anyone's pet? <laughs> no. <laughs> I wish I wish I, I had my Critter. I have cats, so no. I don't know. I mean, I, I, I mentioned I, I mentioned this, and I was you know some of the um, character creation when Sleemon came on was done during the early parts of the pandemic, and I was in New York city uh -huh. so i mean i don't know there were things that look like critter but nothing <laughs> yeah, critter, critter, critter might be a little cuter than what came out of the <laughs> the sewers when the people all left i have because i'm going to say because you know listeners if you guys pick up this book and, and you know i love bill sankevich's art and when i saw critter i was like oh it was like you no know, it was like it, it just looked a little ferocious it looked you know mean and when um um i'm gonna try to pronounce the artist name um Seasmon, Seasmon, if I'm pronouncing his name. Sleeman. Um, when he came on, when he drew Critter, Critter just looked like this lovable pet. But, <laughs> you know, but when he needs to fight and attack, he can do it, you know? <laughs> right. Yeah. yeah well, I, I have experienced that as the dog owner of the group where I've seen my Aussie, Australian Shepherd go from like hero to villain in like a split second. So it can happen. Okay. Um, let's see. Um, sorry, I thought I had the question written down somewhere. I, I can't find it, but um, because um, you guys worked with Stan, you know, on alliances. I'm just going to ask, did, did Stan had like notes and everything for you guys? You know, when he... If you have notes and like a notebook and this is what you know we, we, kept, the, we kept we kept the notes but yeah um we like this sort of this started out um after i um finished working for stan i just stayed tight with him so i would make yes. a point of going over there every once in a while i would call his assistant and find out when he had a window in his schedule and he could you know i could kind of knock on his door and hang out and um we got to talking and we kind of came up with, we got to talking, some of it was about the internet, but then we got to talking about the inventor and the sort of concept at the heart of the prologue here. Uh -huh. And I realized kind of walking out the door that we had just come up with something that Stan was willing to work on with me. Uh -huh. And so that when I saw that door crack open, I just leaned on it. Uh -huh. And so then I came back to Stan with a more developed version of what we had just discussed. And then he gave me his thoughts on it. And we sort of, in those conversations, we started expanding. And then in between the conversations, I would go back, you know, back to the lab again and, and mm -hmm. try to de further develop what we had discussed. Because I also, I understood how precious his time was and I wanted to make sure we were getting the most out of it. Mm -hmm. And then eventually the story got kind of uh, big enough that um, I knew that basically I needed to be able to workshop, like I needed to be able to have the conversations with Stan and then workshop the development. Mm -hmm. um, and, and so that when we were coming back to him, because what Stan would do is he would sort of 
you know, uh, that's that's when Ryan got involved. And then Ryan and I would come in or we would get on the phone or whatever. And we would sort of, you know, here's where we left things the last time we talked to you, Stan. Here's what, you know, we're thinking. And he uh-huh. would get rid of half of it and keep the parts he liked. And then he would create like a new character in the course of the conversation uh-huh. and uh, tell us to kind of figure out some backstory for it. I mean, he would kind of give you direction, tell, tell you what he wanted you to do, give you his ideas, give you his feedback. And then you would incorporate them and workshop it and then bring, you know, have another conversation with them a month later or whatever it was. I mean, that was kind of that was kind of the process. That is amazing. That is really amazing. Um, Ryan, I'm going to ask you this question now. And you guys, and Luke, you can correct me if I'm wrong. Now, this year, um, actually, on it's going to be December 28th of this of this year. Mark Stanley's 100th birthday. Now, you know, Ryan, I'm going to ask with you, and Luke, you can jump in or whoever. Did you guys plan to release this third volume? Um, on this year, marking his 100th um, birthday. Did you guys plan it that way? No. No. <laughs> I mean, you know, it, it, it's just one of those things that is lined up. Um, but no, no. Uh, we came out with it because we finished it after we did the last one. You know, we're, we're just kind of when things are, you know, we're doing each part of the series and then when the next thing is ready to be released, it gets released. We're not really, you know, we, I think somebody brought that up too. I think, I think uh, somebody brought that up, like kind of mentioned that to us earlier this year. Oh, okay. Oh, yeah. you know, it, wasn't, it wasn't a conscious thing. Oh, okay. All right. Okay. And then um, Luke, I'm going to ask you this question. And I, I, I think I kind of know where your answer is going to be. So like, or actually, let me rephrase this question. It has to do with dynamite. So how did, so, um, because Luke, I know you wrote Red Sonia stories for dynamite. So how did, you know, did you guys go to dynamite with the story already presented or how did that well, work so, out? And, you know, understand as a licensor of the character, it's not just the ones I write. I mean, I'm, I'm, I oversee everything that's done in the publishing sphere with the character and outside the publishing sphere with okay. the character. So. You know, um, I, I have an, I deal with dynamite all the time. We put out multiple books a month that yes. we are in dialogue on. So, you know, Nick, the publisher there is a close friend of mine, has been for a long time. So mm-hmm. they were, kind of, you know, one, once once um, the team, the sort of alliances team had decided it was time to do something in comics, mm-hmm. there was really a question that we were going to do with dynamite because okay. they're you know, they're my partner. Yeah. Uh, but I will say that, you know, having worked with Dynamite a long time, what that allowed us to do is just kind of focus on the quality of this book. Yes. Because, you know, the workflow is easy. Like mm-hmm. I know, you know, I know those guys, it's not, there was no learning process or, you know, communication hurdles or anything. I mean, mm-hmm. we could just make the best product we could make and Dynamite really stepped it up. I mean, they, they really sort of demanded a lot of themselves, demanded a lot of us. And I think they did a great job. Ryan, I'm going to ask you, want to, we've already talked about the incredible artists that you guys got for this book. Ryan, do you want to give, um, you know, um, shout out to the rest of the creative team that helped um, bring this, um, that made this book? Yeah, like, like Luke mentioned, I mean, you know, we've been really fortunate. We, and we, I mean, Luke for many years studied under like the best, one of the a legendary comic creator, but also one of the 
best comic editors of all time, which is Stan. And something that we've been so fortunate with is having editorial teams on all of our projects that are just like top notch and Mm -hmm. like, you know, nothing beats the collaborative process with an editor. And it's not really talked about enough in the, in the comic business about how Mm -hmm. important that is. Um, So, you know, Joe Ryban over at uh, Dynamite was, you know, just an extraordinary partner in this Mm -hmm. um, and putting together what is, like I've said before, like we do some, we we go out there with some of the choices we make in this book. You know, we make some bold choices Mm -hmm. by design and, you know, he was always supportive of that and, you know, helped us kind of manage what could be, you know, something that's really hard to kind of pull together. You know, he also managed us. Which... Us, yeah. We're not so. We're not. We're not. We're not. Retired so management. <laughs> yeah, you know, and 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 you know, Jorge who put pulled the colors together. You know, yes. this was like, I mean, you know, the dream was like the the north star for this. I mentioned was like Silver Surfer Parable, like from a look standpoint, like from that image, like that old school European graphic novel yes. vibe, right? And when the colors came in, you know, he he really understood that in a way where, you know, his art with Sliman is like, just, it brings such a, I think, I hope some sort of elegance to the project um, that the readers can experience. Um, and then, you know, that who never gets the love is, is like lettering, yes. but, you know, it's, it's but this, I think this book reads really smoothly for that. Um, but the whole dynamite team really like, I mean, I could say name, I could be listing names for the rest of my like time on this this podcast probably, Mm -hmm. but like the book design, everything that goes into it, they're like just artisans at every single step of the way that just like put it leaned in on this. So, you know, we're really thankful. Um, Let's see. I am going to ask um, Luke, I'm going to start off with you. How, how cool was it? Can you, or actually, how can you describe when you kept seeing art pages coming in? What, what was your feeling? You know, we were kind of hungry for them. You know, I mean, like, I don't know how else to put it. Um, you know, and and Sleeman uh, was uh, he he was you know like a machine. He 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 made. I mean, we would go back and forth with him a bit, but he mm-hmm. understood. Um, he kind of understood, he picked up what we were putting down. Yes. Um, and uh, with Bill, Bill was a bit of a, like kind of a longer process for each bit. Each piece is this uh, work of art. And um, it was a little bit, it was a little bit different in the sense that um, uh, Sleeman's work is a, is a bit more grounded. Mm-hmm. And, yes. Uh, and uh, Bill's work is a little bit more, um, I don't, I don't want to say abstract, but it's a little bit more, um, uh, he's got a wild imagination. Yeah. Yes. So it, was a, it was a bit of a different, it was a bit of a different uh, process, but I mean, you know, look, you've got it in your head, you've got sort of what you imagine, and then you have to let go. Um, you, you have to let the artist be an artist and, mm-hmm. you know, see it the way that they see it. And what you're going to get back is not exactly what you had pictured in your head. Mm-hmm. Um, a lot of times it's better because you're, you know, you're dealing with someone who has their own creative vision and knows how to, you know, knows how to visualize things. And so what you want and what we got is someone who's going to elevate your writing, someone who's going to make it better than what it was when you first put it on the page, someone who's Mm -hmm. going to add, 
you know, it's like you're in a band and, you know, there's, you, you can be the vocalist, but you need a good guitarist that's going to mm-hmm. come in and, and, you know, put, put down some notes that you hadn't thought of. Mm-hmm. Ryan, what about you? Like when you, you know, well, I mean, mm-hmm. it, it's so cool to see art come in. I mean, Luke had to teach me how to read it because, you know, I was like, wow, what, when, what does it look like at this stage normally? Uh, but it, it was, it was really fun. Um, experience and you know like i said bill's a hero of both luke and mine for many forever um and same when somebody newer to my kind of um you know register but it just the two of them being able to talk comics and just other the the fun most fun part about making comics is like that's kind of the um one of the part like things about your podcast that i love is like just like getting is to talk about the things you love with other mm-hmm. people like and talking about Heinlein with Luke and then sharing the ideas with, like about talking about Dune with um, uh, Bill or like sharing pages from like, you know, one of some of our favorite comic books with Sleeman to be like, we're trying to achieve something like this. Mm-hmm. Like, that's just like a fun way to communicate and like create, like mm-hmm. talking about the stuff you love. So, and then generating something new from that. All right, guys, I'm going to slowly start wrapping things up. Um, now, I know you guys, if you guys can't say anything else, but that's fine. I understand. But um, um, is there another Alliance story that's going to be coming out in a hardcover or another audiobook? Are you guys working on one right now? Well, um, Ryan's going to reach through the screen and tase me if I um, announce anything outside of when I'm allowed to talk that's about it. My, but that's, I'll, that's not I'll my superpower. That. You know that. <laughs> And somebody else's. That's your other part. Um, Hayes, I'm gonna... Here, Luke. Yeah, Hayes. will just come through the internet and just <laughs> gas you. <laughs> right. uh, but I mean, we, look, we've got um, just a wealth of sort of world building that um, is mm-hmm. that we created over the years with Stan, and we are, you know, kind of we're getting through, and, yes. and we're we're sort of we're sort of realizing that narrative. I mean, it's a little bit. We we only want to work with top quality partners, and, mm-hmm. and we only want to put out top quality uh, products. And we're not just we're not just churning it out. Yes. Um, so we appreciate the fans' patience with us because I guess we've put out three projects in four years. Does that sound right, Ryan? Yeah, something like that. Yeah, yeah. I mean, not in the, since we since we started releasing projects. Yes. Yeah. 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 Um, so, so, you, you know, know, a lot but, more material to go through. Yeah. But we're going to be back in the lab again, as I said earlier. Um, and we'll, we, 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 we know the next stories we're telling. We, we know where we're going. And yes. uh, just so that I don't upset our partners, I will not announce it ahead of time. Oh, no. Yes. No. 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 But, but like, I'm just curious, like, is Jason, we're like, because, you know, it's, it, for us, it's like this is feedback time. It, so it's like, I'm just curious, like, what was your, like, what was your experience with the book and like what would you where would maybe you want to see things expand because this is fun for me to find out well the, i'm just gonna say it's basically and i told you guys before we started the podcast and like i said i'm sorry i i'm not very good with certain words but i just love the richness of the graphic novel it's you know the world building um the orphans for you know it's like the orphans you know, bonded as a group, you know, um, you know, I just love that. I love little boy. I love critter. Um, there's a funny scene and I spoke to Luke about, we can't talk about because I want people to 
have come across on their own, but there is that one scene where I believe, and correct me if I'm wrong, Luke, it was um, Little Boy and Hayes. They're they're in yeah. uh, the com- they're yeah. they're in front of a computer monitor, and that's all I'm going to say. You know, <laughs> they're uh, they're having a conversation about a certain something. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> those are fun, but and um and I I I don't know. The thing I love about this too is. It, I love the world building and it's a very good sci-fi story and it's a and it's a story I'm going to say I want to read again because there's to me there's so much layers to it you know I, I really want to read it again you know again it, for me it's not a oh yeah hey this is a and me you know it, it and um Ryan like you said it, it's in the style of a, like a European story you know where it's a very good story it's you know it there's a lot of meat to this that's what it is and i love it you know and i want to see and the other thing is um i i can't say anything more because i read the ending i just want to see where they go next actually i want to see if they're going to come to a certain place but i think you know that that's all i'm going to say <laughs> you know <laughs> yeah very, thank you i mean sorry what were you gonna say ryan no no go ahead no, but it's a very good science fiction story. It is. I know it's action adventure, but you know, yeah. I um 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 seasman because now correct me. The orphan ship is called the orphanage. Is that correct? Did I get yeah. that correct? Yeah. I I love the design of the ship because I've never and I'm gonna and as a longtime comic book reader fan, science fiction fan. We've seen everything visual. I've never seen a ship like that, you know. And it's a nice design. It really is, you know. So yeah. Thank you, thank you. That means a lot. And that that ship design, uh, I'm sure Simon will appreciate that because uh, that was uh, a big volley for uh, Joe, our editor, and to interpret our kind of uh, creative needs and interests and Simon what he was doing. And you know, that was a big uh fun uh experiment but mm-hmm. i'm happy you're i'm really it's exciting to hear that you know you're happy with the result and we are going to expand into the orphan story um you I know see. forward and then like i said there i mean i can say enough that there are like i've indicated that there's a time jump that you mm-hmm. know leaves a lot of story to be told and that's mm-hmm. something that luke and i love in science our favorite science fiction is that not everything needs to be told in a linear fashion um and you know we want to make sure that fans get an enriching experience with every new project we do. So mm-hmm. They don't feel like they have to have read everything, but yeah. that they get better, um, you know, some some additional kind of flavor and love when they do. So we're we're out there listening. Okay. And then, sorry, let me just add this one other thing. Um, and Luke, like you said, you know, um, I didn't need to listen to the previous audiobooks because when I read the books, uh, when I read, I'm sorry, when I read, um when I read Orphans, you know, um, I wasn't lost. I knew, you know, it, it's like, you know, it's, I know that these characters have been together, you know, they bonded together because they're the last of their kind, you know, and um, th- yeah, that, that's all I can say. It's like, I didn't have to go, okay, wait, who's little boy again? Or, you know, do I need to read his? It's just, you know, this group is here, they're facing a situation, you know, and it's just you know they're just moving forward, you know. So yeah, I yeah. So but yeah, like I said, it, it, they bonded very well, you know. 
thank you. Thank you. Well, thank you so much. Yeah, really. Thank you. It's, uh, you know, I think our generation too, it's one of those things where like Luke's had a character that's existed for, you know, working on a character that he's been working on for decades mm -hmm. and existed for decades prior. And I think we're all sensitive because we came out of this generation also where we came, we had comic book stores, right. But we didn't have full access to like the entire back catalog of everything yeah. everywhere. And you always had to have, you wanted to feel like these characters and stories were lived in, but you never yes. felt like you wanted to have to buy everything, even yes. though, you know, nine times out of 10, you did, but you know, things went out of print. Mm -hmm. Like I'm curious now where comic books go from here. I'm just, maybe you can ask people when they come on the show. Cause with like digital creation now, or mm -hmm. digital libraries. Now people have access to like unlimited information about their stories. Like you can go really like create like a really, really dense rogue story now, probably. All right. Sorry guys. I'm going to start wrapping things up because I just yeah. want to ask maybe three or four more questions. Um, Luke, I'm going to start off with you. You guys have spent a lot of time with Stan. What was your favorite moment with him? And then Ryan, you can answer it afterwards. Yeah. Uh, well, my favorite moment with him uh, wasn't a professional moment. So I no. guess what I would say is my favorite, uh, yeah, my favorite professional moments with him were probably going to, it was probably when I went to the Spider-Man premiere with him and uh, it just kind of getting to see Stan. And, you know, this means a lot. I, you know, I'm right now, I'm finally making the Red Sonja movie after trying to get it made for, it's been a, like, 15, 16 year process mm -hmm. trying to get Sonya movie made. So when I was sitting there watching him finally see the Spider-Man movie happen mm -hmm. um, and seeing kind of what that meant to him because of how long that process took and how long it took, you know, for him to get to that point. And it's one of those things that, you know, it was, it was a bit of a life lesson too, because it, it showed you how perseverance sort of paid off. Like you just, you know, you don't give up. You just kind mm -hmm. of keep putting boulder up that hill ryan what about you for me it was like almost like a moment that i it's like i, I feel like i have battle scars and i think anybody who's worked with stan has had this experience where he like tears apart your work and like <laughs> or something you're bringing to him and like you're like in shock and awe and you never really quite get over it it's like ptsd but um, I, I live with a tremendous amount of respect out of that experience. It was, didn't feel great at the time, but he basically took, you know, redid a lot of the work we'd put into a trick of light. And the, we, we talked about this in a trick of light, um, in the, the back, the back, the afterward in trick of light, but, you know, he reconceived of like full characters, you know, in a 10 minute session, probably. Mm -hmm. <laughs> and that we, we've been working on together, all of us for many years. And, you know, it, he was never, he was willing to take that kind of risk, you know, mm -hmm. and like Luke was saying about perseverance, he was never challenged with like, this needs to be rushed, you know, like it's better to get it right. Mm -hmm. And, um, you know, he was never, he wasn't super precious about the work but he took a tremendous amount of pride in the work. And, yes. you know, that, that to me is something that um, I take with me to everything I do now. Yeah, well, also I think what Ryan means when he says he wasn't precious is that for Stan, um, you know, they're always like, as a younger creator, you can always get kind of tied to some idea that you have. Yeah. <laughs> and Stan, uh, Stan's attitude was, you know, there's more where those came from. And so yes. if it wasn't for whatever reason, he would just toss it. Like he didn't think mm -hmm. twice. Exactly. 
And it felt a little, you know, you felt like you were getting shredded because, you know, you just put all this heart and soul into creating something that Stan considered for all of five seconds before he threw it out the door and, you know, had a better idea. Uh But, you know, it's a Socratic method. The goal is ultimately to get to the best result. Yes. Mm -hmm. Right. Yeah. Um, Three more questions. And then um, what is the most fun or exciting thing um, actually, I want to start off with you, Ryan. What is the most fun or exciting thing you love working in comics? I think I talked about it before. I think it's like the amount of creativity that goes into the creation of the book, all the way to like designing the actual book cover. And like, there's like a foil stamp on our book that I would never have even thought like that was a, like mm-hmm. an idea we could even do. And our book or graphic designer, Kathy came up with this idea and she fought for it. And she was like, this is going to look great. Let's do this. And it's like, mm-hmm. that's amazing. Like I never would have thought, you know, when we're at that stage, they would still be dealing with like incredibly creative people who care so much. Mm-hmm. So it's for me, it's meeting those kinds of people along the way. Luke, what about you? Uh, I mean, I think my favorite part of working in comics is that uh, there's just no boundaries to it. So like, you know, I'm on a film production right now and there are, you know, there's a budget and there's constraints and there's what's physically possible and what isn't. And, you know, with comics, you know, orphans just has the largest possible scale. They're all fighting around a black hole and, mm-hmm. you know, building, uh, they're building inventions around quasars and, you know, you don't have to think twice about <laughs> like any sort of limitation. Yeah. You know, whatever your wherever wherever your creative mind goes, you can you can make that happen. I think that's my favorite part of this medium. Yeah. All right. Two more questions. Um, Luke, I'm gonna start off with you. Have you and your family been to Hawaii? I have, yeah. I've been there. Um I, I did my honeymoon there. In fact, it's a little weird to watch. We like that show White Lotus, which I think oh, yeah. was shot at the uh, it was shot at the uh, Maui, uh, the four seasons Maui, mm-hmm. which is where I had my honeymoon. So it's a little weird for us to watch that show because, nice. you know, mm-hmm. we were those people, I guess. And uh, I mean, we had a better experience, but, you know. Yeah. Uh, and, uh, but yeah, and then uh, I just took, I went a couple of years ago, I took my kids uh, and uh, my mother-in-law and my wife and we did, um, we did uh, the Big Island. Oh, um, yes. We love, we go back. I mean, I live in LA, so um, Hawaii is, is, is actually kind of a practical place for us to get to. So we, you know, every couple of years we go. Oh, okay. All right. Ryan, what about you? I'm, I'm less travel than either of you. I, uh, I, I travel in my imagination. No, I've never been, I've never been. Okay. <laughs> well, one, one day when sometime in the future, you got to come up. <laughs> Oh, I'm going to mention to you guys, yes, we do have comic book conventions out here. So, yeah. <laughs> Hopefully an organizer is listening and goes, hey. Mm-hmm. I well, need these guys out and put them up in a hotel. Well, yes. that would be great. I would, love to, <laughs> I would love to go to a comic convention of Hawaii. And I think that would be the best. I mean, that's that's great. Yeah, <laughs> I, would I could go. check that off. I could check that off my list of the states that I've been to comic book conventions at, which would be really nice. Okay. Um. Um, Ryan, I'm going to start off with you. Any closing words to our listeners? Um, well, I mean, I, I, for me, it, it, 
fire book, please. Uh, I mean, it sounds like I can't believe I even have to like say that. But you know, you dream about the day when you can say it. So I'm just gonna say it and be a complete shell. I mean, for me as somebody who is a fan and turns like a creator, I would just say dream. Like you know, it's all possible. Like just keep at it. Like Luke said, it's the perseverance is rewarded if you love something, you know, and you want to work in something, you know, keep keep at it. And mm -hmm. um, but but first buy alliances so you can you know be inspired yeah. <laughs> there you go all right luke what about you um i mean what i i, I i'm gonna echo my uh, my show of a partner now um I, I guess what i would say is look we really put a lot of heart and soul into this thing and i i think it came out uh well and i'm, I'm proud of it i think i think stan would be proud of it so obviously we would love people to uh to read it and and let us know what you think i mean we definitely want to hear from you um yeah. it's, it's one of our favorite parts of this process um and i mean that's it that's that's kind of what it's all about mm -hmm. so, you know mahalo thank you in hawaiian you know luke and ryan just thank you very much for your time you know um thank you for giving me the opportunity to, to interview the both of you you know and you know i wish you guys all the success with alliance the um or um alliance Alliances, Orphans, graphic novel that's out now in stores. And also with the Alliance Universe property, I wish you guys all the success. Um, Thank you. Again, I want to give a big shout out um, to Mia Jacobs and Liz um, Bieber of the lead company for setting up this interview and for providing me with an advanced um, review copy. So Mia and Liz, thank you very much. Now, if you are a new comic book reader or a lifelong comic book reader, Please check out Stanley's Alliance Orphans. Um, as I mentioned, you know, to me, this is a very rich sci-fi story. And, um, you know, and as Ryan has mentioned, um, you know, it, it, it's, to me, this also, it feels like um, it, it's along the lines of a European comic book, comic book, where it's just a, it's a very rich story that has a lot of me in, you know, and it's, 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 it's beautifully drawn. It really is. Mm -hmm. um, also, too, you know, um, and for listeners, you know, if you're trying to figure out, you know, you know, not only pick up a copy for yourself, but I would just also say, you know, consider, you know, um, giving this uh, Christmas is a couple months away. Either give this as a Christmas gift to a friend or a birthday gift to you know your friends too as well. So, um, I also want to thank Drew, the co-host of Comics for Fun and Profit, for putting this episode together. Drew, thank you very much for all your hard work behind the scenes. And if you are a new listener, please check out new episodes of Comics for Fun and Profit that comes out every Saturday. And I want to thank you, the listeners. Thank you very much for your time. Um, thank you for listening to this episode. Until next time, guys. Aloha. <laughs>